Um, <laughs> last night I was driving back from uh, Little Rock because I was at Sister Group of Christ in Little Rock, and um, Rick was there, Rick Bell, um, at Central, and he's there this morning, and so is some other people, and so you look around and you may say, um, where are, where is everybody? They're at church somewhere, stop judging them, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Don't be, don't, don't judge those people. They're there. They're somewhere. They're just not here with us. And they'll come back and they'll be here with us. We're just really thankful you're here. And really thankful that you can be a part of, of, of this group. I have a, um, I have a love for what we're about to talk about. But it's gonna, sometimes the things I love, I recognize not everybody loves. Not everyone gets as excited about biblical context as I do. And so I recognize that. So there's, I'm going to try to get through some of it quickly when we get there. But when we do, I want you to pay attention because it will help you uh, toward the end of the sermon. And then you don't have to remember. Okay? There won't be a test about it. You just have to remember the things I say about Philipp the Philippian church and the Roman church here in a little bit. You'll just have to remember it for maybe five minutes. Just retain it for that long, and then you can be done with it. Um, so don't give up. Just all you got to do is retain it for five minutes. That's all. That's it. Uh, I don't know a lot about literature. I, I didn't study it in college. I didn't. Uh, I didn't have great uh, these great professors that guided me through these wonderful works of literature. But what I do know, specifically in nonfiction books. Not nonfiction, fiction, works of fiction, that the most important character for a good book is the secondary character, usually called the helper or the guide. Um, those of you who, who read, which is fine if you don't, fine if you don't. Actually, I was in college and uh, there was a, we had a speech class, and to take attendance in the speech class, they asked you, Questions. You had to give this two-minute little speech about the question of the day, and the question was, uh, "What what are your favorite books?" And the guy sitting next to me stood up and went, "I don't read." <laughs> and it's fine if you don't read. You just can't be in a college class <coughs> and be saying, "I don't." It's just I don't know. It goes against like we had a reading assignment yesterday. One. Anyway, so it's fine if you don't read, but if you if you read these uh, popular books like uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, one of the, the the most important character in the Chronicles of Narnia is Aslan. It's it, he's a secondary helping character. The reason, uh, oh, what's that book that they the name just left me? The book that uh, where the kids kill each other. Hunger Games, yes. Can you imagine if I would have said that four years ago? People would have been like, what is he reading? Well, everybody's read it now. The Hunger Games. Um, the Hunger Games was uh, a well-done book, because not because of the main character, but because of all the interesting uh, side characters. Hamish and uh, Petra. Peter. What? Peter. Peter. So like, so his name was Peter, he's just from Boston. <laughs> Peter. Uh, 
so yes, perfect. Yes, these side characters, these secondary characters, are are so important to good stories. Lord of the Rings, the most the one of the reasons Lord of the Rings is so good is because there's so many great secondary characters like Aragorn and Gandalf and uh, Sam. Oh my goodness, Sam! And so you have these these beautiful stories and you have these main characters, but it's the secondary characters that are coming in and making stories wonderful. The problem, I believe, is the most of us, and when I say us, I just mean human beings. The problem with human beings is that we think our job is to become the best main character out there. Just become the best one, character one. The main character in my story is Benjamin Neely. And we see to be a good main character. Now, the problem with that is it's just easy. When they say, well, you know what? I just really want to be me. Have you heard people say that? Okay. Well, you're done. <laughs> because just thinking about it a little, you're you, and you're not not you. So there you go. What's next? So you be yourself, then the whole call to be yourself isn't actually a healthy call on your life. The best call, and this is something that Jesus teaches us, the best call is not to be a good primary character, but to live your life as a good secondary character for those around you and for the mission of God. So our job as parents, as spouses, as children, as teachers, as, as people at, at line, in line at Target. I went fancy there. <laughs> Just a normal human being. Our existence is to recognize that other people are living their story. And we're living ours. And if we're forcing everybody to be secondary characters to our story, and I'm the most important, you know, I'm the most, I'm the main character. My plot is the best plot. You will lead a horrible life. But the best kind of life is the one where you're looking at other stories and you're saying, I will get involved in that one and I will help there. I will get involved with that person. So in my own house, I'm not supposed to be the main character. I'm a secondary character to my spouse's story. I'm a secondary character to my children's story. I am God. I'm a, I am a guide. I am a helper. I am an assistant. And it's when you in, infuse yourself into other people's stories... You will make their stories and your story more beautiful, and you will turn yourself into a wonderful character. Paul was in jail in Rome. In Rome. The Roman prison. It really wasn't all that much of a prison. It was just a uh, an existence. Some, some people say he was even in the palace, and he was just there waiting for his trial. Now, he couldn't leave 
But he, he was sort of free. Wasn't chained down. Had people come in. He could write letters. He could receive gifts. He could have visitors. It was a pretty nice gig. So in those pictures you see of him behind bars and him in a dark place, Paul, that's not really where he was. And so the Philippian, the church at Philippi, the Philippian church, had sent him a, a gift uh, of some, some money or maybe like a fruit basket or something. And they send him a gift and he's, and a helper and he, the helper turns out not to be that great of a helper. A helper gets sick. We'll talk about him later. And has to be sent back. But Paul is facing some difficult times. He doesn't get to leave. So as long as not prison the way you might think of prison, it's not freedom either. And here's, here's what he says. We'll be in Philippians chapter 1, we'll start in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So Paul sees his imprisonment, imprisonment not as like a, oh, this is just awful. He sees it as, how does my story, how does what's happening in my life right now affect what's the bigger goal is for the advancement of Christ. The, the, go, go back to the previous slide. There. He says, I, I, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel and Secondarily, um, as a result, the whole palace guard is hearing it. And secondarily, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. So my story is affecting the gospel. And my story is affecting my brothers and sisters in Christ positively. And so Paul can find joy in his circumstance because God can use our circumstances for good. Now, would, would God have rather Paul been out where he could preach the gospel? Would God have rather, like, was God's grand plan for, for Paul to be in prison for four years? You know, think about that. Sometimes you think he's just thrown in. He's in two years down um, in Macedonia, and then he's been in two years here in prison in Rome. And he's he sees his current situation in light of other storylines that are happening. Not just his. I know, poor pitiful me. For Paul, it wasn't about me. The story didn't run straight through me. He was just, as he saw it, sort of a guide, a helper to the, to the, other, the other Christians he was with and to the story of the gospel. As a whole, people have been more bold. They have been become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true. 
But some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Okay. Does anyone else think that's a little odd? <laughs> to preach Jesus out of envy, uh, envy and rivalry. Okay, so what happened? If you go back to Rome, uh, to the book of Romans, the, Paul wrote the book of Romans before he actually ever went to Rome. But he had heard there was a group, there were two, two different churches. There was predominantly a, a Jewish church, or actually a better way of saying it would be a law-abiding church, where you don't you aren't supposed to eat certain foods and you're supposed to keep certain Sabbaths and you're supposed to live by the law. And then there was the, the, the non-law-abiding church that said, well, Christ supplanted the law and now we follow Jesus and we don't have to keep your special days. We don't have to, and we can now eat bacon. And everyone said, praise the Lord. And now there are uh, there's these two different segments of churches in Rome, and Paul writes them and says, "Listen, they're right. Jesus did um, overcome the law, but listen, guys, whenever they're there, don't 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 do things that are going to make them uncomfortable." So he sort of takes on both sides and says, "Here's how both of you." Can improve. Now, Paul finally lands in Rome and not under the circumstances that he was hoping. He's in prison. He was hoping to get off the ship and just sort of meander into town and find some Christians. But instead, he gets off the ship and walks up to the palace and now is incarcerated. So Paul finds, it appears, that his letter has fallen on a few deaf ears in the Roman church. That some people don't like what Paul is preaching, which is grace covers us. And they're saying, well, hold on. We're not supposed to eat these certain meats, and we're not supposed to uh, do these certain things on these certain days. And so Paul sees that there's still trouble. Paul gets thrown in prison. Now, let's pretend that you knew somebody that you with whom you disagreed quite vehemently. Right? You had an opinion about a verse in the Bible and they disagreed with that. They'd go to the same person and they would say, well, that's not right. I believe this. Y'all would, would go to McDonald's every morning and you would, and you would argue about this between rebuilds of coffee. And you would have this back and forth. Right? I, I don't know. You're not right. You, and you would almost get to the point, well, then you have bad motives. You're trying to get away with things. And, oh, you're a legalist. And then back and forth, back and forth. And then one day, you show up to McDonald's, and you're saying, hey, where's, where's Larry? Sorry, Larry. I just I picked a name. Where is it? Sorry, Larry. Where, where is he? And, and they're like, oh, you didn't hear they threw him in prison. Wouldn't there be a part of you that was like, I knew I was right. <laughs> like, his argument hasn't changed, but just the sheer circumstances of him being locked up makes you feel quite superior. So you're going around preaching Jesus, maybe trying to get funds that Paul was getting first. Maybe you're in competition with Paul's teaching, or maybe you're in competition with his ministry. But you are preaching and teaching Jesus still, but out of rivalry, rivalry with Paul. Notice that's the emphasis. He says, 
It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely <coughs> supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. So their issue is with Paul. And then Paul says something that blows our minds if we actually think about it for a second. Because we never go to this place. Paul says, but what does it matter? What does it matter? And they're preaching one thing. They're, they're against me, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. This whole attitude is not one that you can develop while you are believing that your story is the most important story. And that you, as a character in your story, are the most important Paul sees himself as an aide, as an assistant to others, as a servant to others, and to the gospel of Jesus. And until you get to that perspective, until you can back up enough and say, this isn't about me, my life's not about me, my life is about others loving God and loving others, serving God, serving others, seeing the mission of God as the main story and the story of others is more important. As we start changing our perspective on all of that, then we can get to that place where, okay, people are mad at me, but we're going to move forward. I don't like when people think I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, I have been wrong a lot, but I don't like feeling wrong. I abandoned that pretty quickly. Even when I'm, someone points out I'm wrong, I'll say, oh, look, oh, yeah, you're right, I was wrong. Now I'm right. Like, see how quick that happened? So I don't actually, I just dwell, I don't dwell in wrongness a lot. What really hurts is when people think I have bad motives. Most hurtful thing someone told me one time a long time ago. They said, you're just here to trouble, stir up trouble. Oh, no. Just here, that's all, that's all I'm here for. Now, granted, occasionally I accidentally stir up trouble, but it was never my intention. The, no one said that to me here. You might have thought it. But the motive, like when someone questions your motives or once someone says, man, that, you're not doing that for the right reasons, that hurts. When someone actively goes out of their way to hurt you or to say unkind things about you or to maybe even hurt your character, like they, they want to hurt your reputation. Okay? But in the end, Christ is being preached. There's a lot of people I really disagree with biblically. 
Like I'll, I'll open my Bible and I'll, I'll hear what they're reading and then I'll read it and think, I don't, I don't see how you got that. Well, that's what we believe. I don't see how you believe that. I said, well, here's what I believe. And I was like, I don't see how you believe that. There's people that sometimes, we, we talk a lot here about having, um, holding your opinions loosely and being humble about your, your convictions. But then there's sometimes I got a grip on some things, right? And I'm like, you people, you're not doing any good. They're preaching Christ crucified. Occasionally I have to calm down. They're preaching Jesus resurrected, I have to calm down and say, okay, I think they've got some things wrong. But at least the empty tomb is being proclaimed. We can work with that. God can advance his message without me. God can advance his kingdom without me having a good reputation, without you having a good reputation. One time, God did what he needed to do through a donkey. That's sort of become a saying of mine. God, some of you jumped ahead of me there, and that's not my saying. Whatever you were thinking, sinners. If God, if, if God can use that donkey, he can use that guy. Yes, that is funny. Word it another way, but I, we are Christian. Now, if God can, God can, God speaks to crazy people. And so, what, what happens is often we get so involved in ourselves that we think, "Well, I'm God's using. How is God going to use me?" Well, sometimes He's going to use you to support other people. To use sometimes He's going to use you to. To, to encourage somebody who, who's sad. To just be present with someone who's lonely. But when you start looking for other stories and start looking for the big story, which is the mission of God, and start investing yourself as a secondary character in that story, You won't, you won't have to fight the temptation of being self-involved. You'll be too involved in other things. And we're, we're self-involved. I had a, a this is half-joking, but I put something on Facebook the other day that no one liked. <laughs> that ever happened to you? Man, that's scary, right? I'm alone in the world. You almost, you almost like that. Okay. Jesse Bearden actually saved me. He was the only one who liked it. And I think it's out of pity. All I said was Thomas Rhett minus Uncle Cracker equals zero. See, no one liked it. No one, none of you liked it. You don't understand it. That's what I'm going to go with. It was too high and lofty of a thought. Thanks, Jamie. When we get so self-involved, we're like Facebook and all the Twitter chat, and I don't know all the things. 
Snapgram. All these things we get obsessed with, and like, well, so who, who enjoys me? Let's get out of our own story and jump in the story of others. Let's get out of our own story and jump into the story of God. That way, when we hit rough patches, we'll know that my narrative, my plot line, isn't the most important one. I hit a rough patch. The kingdom of God marches on. I can, I, I can experience life that way. And it, you know what it looks like? It looks like loving God and loving others. You'll, you may say things like, well, what does it matter that I'm defamed or I'm insulted? The kingdom of God marches on. The gospel is preached. People are emboldened. The story of others are moving in the direction of Jesus. And so what does it matter? All that matters. All that matters. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or from true motives or good motives, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. If your joy comes from your own story, it's going to be up and down pretty regularly. But if you're, if you're rejoicing, if your joy comes from the kingdom of God pressing on, it will never <coughs> fail. Now sometimes we kind of take the kingdom of God and suck it down and say, uh, as long as it's progressing the way I want it to. And that can be Again, that's pretty self-involved. Your story is invested. You as a character are invested in the story of the king, the mission of God, and in the, the lives and the stories of others. You will find a rejoicing in that that you could have never found in yourself. So join us as we march on. Join us as we follow the resurrected King. Join us as we worship the God who redeemed us and saved us. Join us as a church. Whatever you need this morning, please come forward while we stand.